0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Now, Heavenly Father, may we know of your truth your activity in the world that is so broken, your tolerance of us, your patience, and your redemption. Open up our hearts as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we looked at the covenant with Noah, which is not often talked about, but it's an interesting covenant in that um, God regrets what he had made, so he's going to wipe the slate clean and start all over again. And yet afterwards, after that flood and Noah and the family get out, all the animals go out, and then they repopulate the earth, nothing has changed they still act the way they did before. So the question really is, how can, we re- how can God regret to do something? How can God regret it and, and still love us? And the reality is that it is his love that enables our God to continue to try to do what he can to redeem us. And so life goes on. And I love the story of Genesis. We've got that whole Tower of Babel story and, and um, the, the evil in the world. Everything is still fallen. Nobody's doing anything right. And it, it all continues and said. And so God decides to choose one man out of all the people on the planet, one man through whom. He's going to redeem all people. One man. And that is Abram. Abram at this time is, oh, we've got a latecomer. Abram at this time is 75 years old, and, um, which is a reminder to all of us it's never too late. He gets a whole brand new, fresh start, and there's all kinds of wonderful things that happen in Abram's life. But God comes to Abram and makes a promise to him, makes a covenant with him. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from Genesis. The Lord said to, said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who you curse. I will bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. When Abram was 99 years old, The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground and God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What is more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become, the, will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will be your God and you And and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be your possession forever, and I will be their God. God added his understanding to this hearing of his word. So God doesn't give up, He doesn't stop trying. You may know of people in your life that you think are absolute, utter reprobates. Horrible people. We all know them. People that we think are actually evil. We gave up on them long ago. God doesn't give up. God keeps working at it. God keeps pursuing Lewis calls the great hound of heaven, is after us. And when he catches us, he doesn't bite us. He loves us. He embraces us. So that's what's, what's going on here. He comes to Abram, and he decides to make a covenant with Abram. And the covenant is that he will possess a land that he's going to have a a huge nation and nations upon nations and his descendants will will fill the earth and that through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Huge promise. He faces the reality that this this goes on and on. This story of Abraham is a wonderful story, but... You know, he and his wife have no kids. And um, how is this going to be? Because he's got servants and his, his primary servant may be able to be an heir, but that's not very satisfying. And God tells Abraham, at 99 years old, Sarah is, now the Bible actually names her name, her, her age. She's 75. It's like, oh, we're not supposed to say that. <laughs> 75 years old. And they get pregnant. She she gets pregnant with Isaac. The promise of God is not overcome by barrenness, by sin, by our rebellion. There's nothing that we can do that will obstruct the reality of God doing what he intends to do with us. His promise is sure. His assurance of faith is that which enables us to to hope through all of these difficult times and things. So so God cuts the covenant with Abraham. Now what's fascinating about this is that they go through what is a ritual of covenant making. And this is a practice that was done in the ancient world. So a powerful person, usually in relationship to a weaker person, sets up a covenant, but then they take animals and literally cut them in half. And then the weaker party has to walk between those two animals as if to imply, this is what's gonna happen to you if you violate the covenant. So these carcasses are spread out and the the lesser party walks through the two animals as a reminder, do not break the covenant. But in the covenant with Abram, God himself passes through. God himself walks through the carcasses in some sort of a presentation of a burning burning cauldron, a, 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 a pot of burning fire. God himself says, he will be the vulnerable one to this covenant. He will take responsibility for this covenant. And so even God is with this covenant, is holding himself accountable for it to be fulfilled. So the promise is made. The promise is made by God that Abraham will be the father of a mighty nation and that through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Blessed to be a blessing. Now, As a result of this, the seed of Abraham is understood in the New Testament to be the person of Christ. That from Abraham's seed comes our Savior Christ. And in Christ, God has made the final provision. In Christ, we have once again the divided sacrifice. God himself sacrificed on our behalf so that not just the Jewish people, but the world would be saved. That through the Jewish people, the the rest of the world would be blessed. That through them, All the nations would know the goodness and the the joy of what it is to know God. I went to a um, so-called interfaith gathering a few months ago. Turned out to be a bit of a disappointment because it was um, really not that interfaith. It was was really pretty much one small segment of of the spectrum. And a comment was made about Christianity versus Judaism that somehow Christians look down on the Jews. And I, I just said, you know, this, I, I, after a lot of this talk went on, I said, you know, we have always looked at the, at the Jewish people as the, as the mother faith to our faith. It's, it's through the Jews that, that, that we are here as Christians. I said every single one at the table, the Last Supper, every single person there was Jewish. The promise was made through the Jews to the world. And so I, I, was, I was disappointed that kind of this reverse anti-Semitism had come up in a so-called interfaith gathering. I tried to assure them that there is great regard for the mother faith of of Christianity. And in this entire situation of Christians and Jews, yes, we know there's been a, a real history of of anti Semitism that that resulted in this this horrible uh, circumstance of the Holocaust. And I was reading this week about Corrie ten Boom. Koryten Boom was a uh, <clears throat> she was a Dutch woman. She and her family hid Jews. they were in the Netherlands, and they hid Jews in a secret compartment in their home. They, they were a, a safe house. They were a Christian home and, and yet they, they saw the Jews as as brothers and sisters, as the father said, in this household, God's people are always welcome. And so they they hid these Jewish people from from the Nazis who were trying to find them, to cart them off to camps. And after this, of course, Corrie ten Boom wrote the book, The Hiding Place and several other books and she traveled the world and spoke but she had this to say about the church of Germany. She said, I have traveled through half the world and I have found that nowhere is there such correct preaching, correct preaching as in Germany, but nowhere else is it so lacking in power and authority. When the church leaves its core calling to proclaim the gospel, it lacks power and authority. The church in Germany had become ideologically polluted. It was preaching an ideology. At that time, the confessing church in Germany wrote the Barman Declaration, and if anything, the Barman Declaration says, the church shall not be engaged in any kind of proclamation of ideology. The politicization of the church then, the politicization of the church now, robs the church of its power and authority. And how is then the church to be, as heirs to the Abrahamic covenant, how are we to be a blessing to the world? You know, I love it when people ask me the denomination of our church. First off, I say, well, we're independent but our denomination is the city of Naples. We are here for them. We don't look at the community as a place to go out and snatch converts and bring them in here so we can have a great big church. We look at ourselves as a people who have been blessed and that we can be a blessing to those people out there. And whether or not that grows the church, we don't care what we care about is that we're faithful and that we act as a blessing to other people and that other people know that if we love them, then maybe the God that they represent, maybe that's a a hint about how God thinks about them. So we as a church are blessed to be a blessing. And yet we don't get there through an easy path. I was reading a great pastor who was talking about, It's Helmut Tillich, he was also uh, pastoring during the Second World War in Stuttgart. And he was talking about the need for the gospel to, to offend. At times to hurt. Last week, I talked a little bit about judgment and God's judgment. We don't like like God's judgment. It bothers us. It offends us. It hurts us. I thought church was going to be a safe place. Well, it's like in Chronicles of Narnia when Eustace goes to Aslan, the lion who represents Christ. And he says to Oslan to the lion, I thought you were safe. And Oslan says, of course I'm not safe, but I'm good. I'm good, I tell you. That's what the churches is be is. You know, we're sanctuary in the sense that this is a safe place for transformation to take place. For us to allow for the Spirit of God to to do what He must in our hearts, but then we're among God's fellowship. It's not safe, but it's good. And so the mark of this covenant is a painful mark. You know what it is, guys know what it is it's a circumcision. We we don't pass through from one place in life to another place in life without pain. And it's a reminder. It's a concrete, real way of us understanding that we have to transform ourselves, or not transform ourselves, but allow the power of God to transform us. Be transformed by the power of the Spirit from one place to another And it can hurt. It can be painful. Now, of course, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says this, for you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, from God. Seeks praise from God, not from people. So in the New Testament, we talk about a circumcision of the heart. That hurts to get from one place to another. It hurts to be transformed, to be changed. And yet, that's what God wants to do. Why? So that we, as God's children, can be a blessing to others. Toward what end? Well, in Revelation 7, there's a multitude that the numbers of the sand on the sea or the numbers of stars in the sky cannot number. The multitude of God's children all gathered together from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all the distinctions that we live with, with which we divide up people, are obliterated. And we all become one as we sing praises to God. So my mom grew up on a farm in Wisconsin, and her parents, parents, her parents' parents, her grandparents, left Germany in the late 1800s to avoid serving the children serving in Bismarck's army. At least this is the story as it's passed on. And mother's, mother's name was Kutz, And on her mother's side, it was Lilik. I took Hebrew in seminary only because I had to. But Lilik sounds Hebrew. Sounds like a Hebrew something. My brother took this to a rabbi out where he lives in California. And he said, that's a Jewish name. He said, you're a child of Abraham. And I didn't even know this until about maybe 10 years ago. But I thought, what does it matter? In Christ, there's no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free, no male, no female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. That's the intent of the covenant made with Abraham. That's the intent of the covenant as confirmed in the seed of Abraham and Jesus Christ, who was the perfect sacrifice, who confirmed God's relationship with us. Does God still regret making us? It may be. I was on the phone yesterday with the three blonde haired, blue eyed little boys in, in Oregon. And there was all kinds of misbehavior going on in that household. <laughs> love overwhelms judgment. The boys misbehave and their parents tell them they misbehave and you know, you know how all this goes. But we love them so much anyway. That gives us a way of understanding the nature of God who though we are the way we are, the way, though we do the things we do, the way we rebel, et cetera, he loves us still. And he is true to the covenant that he's made with us. Will you join me in prayer? And thank you, Lord Jesus, that it doesn't depend upon us However hard we try, we fail. And in those moments of weakness, we may recognize and humbly acknowledge our own brokenness. At the same time, oh Lord, we may have, because we have a strong sense of doing the right thing, we may have a false pride. Lord, you love us still. And you call us. Your son died for us. And we ask, O Lord, that our hearts would be open to you through your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.